Welcome to the Common Cost Metal Podcast, episode 58. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to the Common Cost Metal Podcast. I'm your host, Don Cardenas. I hope you're all having a great week. So before we get into the recommendations and the show proper, I have a few bits of business to handle, so let's get right to it. First off, I am currently involved in a Kickstarter called Depowered. Depowered is a really cool comic. That's uh, about 20 years ago, a group of men and women woke up with superhuman abilities of unknown origin, uh, ranging from really cool powers to just completely arbitrary un- and kind of lackluster stuff. Uh, some did good. Some did evil, but 10 years ago, all their powers mysteriously vanished. And this story picks up with what happens after that. Uh, I am not doing the art for this comic. I am doing the colors. And it is from Part-Time Comics. And I had John Westhoff from Part-Time Comics on the show with Bob Gar Ornelas earlier this year. I've known these guys for over a decade now. I think, <laughs> I think it's been a decade. Uh, and we've been trying to find stuff to work together on, you know, for a while. And, you know, luckily, uh, at some point last year, I had done some uh, color pages from some art that Bob Gard did for the pitch. And now they're going for a full-blown Kickstarter for the first issue. It's a really cool story. They have some really great artists attached, including Bob Gard. And, yeah, it needs a, it needs a little help getting to the finish line. Uh, it's got a four thousand dollar goal, and we're trying to push it and get, you know, hit that goal. We got around fourteen days left. It's not an impossibility to hit, but we definitely need help getting there. Um, it's again, it's a really cool comic. John's just gotten better and better and better as a writer, uh, and I always thought he was good, and he's just doing the best work he's ever done now. And I really think if people gave this comic a shot and checked the Kickstarter, they would be totally stoked for it. So that's Depowered on Kickstarter. There will be a link in the show notes below. Secondly, um, this episode is dropping on October 1st. And for once again, for the month of October, I am doing Riftober. Uh, this is mainly on Instagram and for the entire month of October. <laughs> uh, hopefully daily. Sometimes I have to double up and catch up or, or go a little bit past October trying to trying to get all, all of the day's numbers hit, like, so to speak. But I sit down, and from scratch, I write a new riff every day. That's that's the goal. That's the plan. Record a video of it, post it up. Sometimes I get a little too bit in the weeds, making it a little bit fancier or whatever. But uh, it's a really fun exercise. It's kind of like a, a guitar sketchbook, almost, where I've used plenty of these riffs or taken these riffs and like started to develop them into other stuff or other things I'm using. And it's just a real fun exercise to do. And I don't just stick with metal. I do plenty of other things. I, I'm planning on doing some, some, some synth stuff since I have a nice, cool new uh, keypad to do some stuff with that. And yeah, I, it's something really fun to do, but it's mainly on Instagram. So if you search the hashtag Riftober, R-I-F-F-T-O-B-E-R, uh, I'm not the only one who does it, but I seem to be the one who's done it the most. <laughs> I've done it, I think, you know, four out of the past five years. So, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun and it's a lot of work, but it's very rewarding. And if you're a musician, buddy musician, experienced musician, and you're listening to this, check it out. Try doing it for a week. Try just doing one riff a week or whatever. It's just 
cool to have, like, you, you, you'll find something that you can use later on or kind of have a backlog of stuff you can kind of look back on and develop further. So, yeah, it, it, it's a real fun thing to do, so I hope you all check that out. Okay, so, on to the recommendations. My coffee recommendation this week is the Robot Heart Blend from Conscious Cup Coffee Roasters. Now, I don't normally uh, go to Conscious Cup. Uh, is actually one of their stores happened to be occupying the space of a former bakery that my wife and I used to go to, and we just tried it on a whim one day when we're in the when we're in the town that I was in, and it was some really really excellent stuff. We just had the lattes, but I was drawn to the bags of coffee because it smelled amazing. So, yeah, once I kind of got through my current backlog of uh, roasts and stuff I've been trying out, I, you know, jumped at the chance to get a bag of Robot Heart and check it out. Now, Robot Heart is described as a dark roast, heavy body, balanced with a caramel kind of flavor, and, yeah, 100% uh, as advertised. It was very, very good. Um, Like, again, normally I drink my coffee with a, a little bit of sugar and some creamer, but I always try them black first, just because I want to get what the what the purity of the of the coffee is, and I always try a French press first. And yeah, it was it was very good. If I had to drink this black, I would be perfectly fine with it. But adding a little bit of uh, cream and sugar on there, it yeah, very very tasty stuff. Uh, I'm looking forward to drinking this more and more. Uh, I do notice that when I, you know, I guess it makes sense, but when you put it into a drip coffee maker. It kind of balances out more, kind of evens out a bit more, and I haven't done that yet. But I'm looking forward to seeing what the results are there. But for you know, brewing a couple cups of French press on this, very very good. Uh, Conscious Cup is located in Crystal Lake, Illinois. They've been brewing for about 15 years or so. Uh, they have a website, ConsciousCup.com, which will be linked in the show notes below, and they have a few you know stores, uh, shops where they uh, have stuff uh, brewing and, and all that. Not, not many in the, in the Chicagoland area, but a few. But yeah, I was, I was very pleasantly, uh, I guess not surprised, but I uh, was glad I enjoyed it. <laughs> and I'm looking forward to checking out some more of the roasts because they have a bunch of other cool-looking roasts in there. And uh, I've, I've been kind of like, not surprised again, but like almost, you know, overwhelmed with the amount of like local ish roasters in the area that have some really good stuff remember a couple weeks ago i was talking about the two brothers coffee uh it's another localish roaster and they have a ton of roasts that i still want to check out too and including these roasts that i've already tried and enjoyed so i you know i'm pretty sure my doctor wouldn't appreciate me drinking coffee <laughs> all the time to be able to enjoy all these roasts when i want to enjoy them but yeah there's just only so much time in the day and only so much coffee you can drink i guess um that's not a challenge for anybody uh but yeah it, it's definitely uh uh embarrassment of riches in that aspect yeah so again conscious cup robot heart blend fair trade coffee awesome stuff definitely check it out my comic book recommendation this week is human remains human remains is a new take on a post-apocalyptic event uh from vault comics It is written by Peter Milligan, art by Sally Cantorino, colors by Deerbla Kelly, and letters by Andworld. Human Remains is set in a world where otherworldly 
possibly alien attackers appear and kill in a very, very gory fashion any of those who express strong emotions, be it fear, happiness, anger, passion, what have you. Uh, it's kind of akin to The Quiet Place, but with emotions, and it's a bit more terrifying because in The Quiet Place, at least it seemed like you could possibly escape, or you, people have escaped these things, and in this book, it seems like once they come, you're you're screwed. <laughs> you're boned. It, that's it. Um, also, it's better because it's comics and comics rule. While this issue is very much establishing the whole world, as first issues do, it pretty seamlessly weaves in our main protagonists, Dax and Bisa, while expertly giving us a lot of emotional anchors to kind of instantly connect to and and have uh, some you know real strong reactions to some of the tension that that happens later in the book. The stakes are very high, and we are left with a feeling that you know a lot of these characters we may meet are not safe at all, including our protagonists. You know, who, who's to know if, <laughs> uh, the next time we see them, it's it's the end, and we, we move on to somebody else. Uh, Peter Milligan is a well-known veteran writer, and he has a bibliography second to, you know, very few people, if anyone at all. So it was certainly no surprise to me how well this issue was crafted. And yeah, I don't want to give too many spoilers about the issue, uh, as it's just recommendation, not necessarily a review. But yeah, it is really, really, really well done. Uh, the biggest highlight for me is the art, of course, and I've been a fan of Sally Cantorino's art for quite a while, but have not had the opportunity to check out her sequential work yet so this is my first exposure to that and it is fantastic her style is extremely effective here and if i were to describe it to somebody it feels to me like a blend of faith aaron hicks and jeff lemire sally's fluid and natural style works wonderfully with all the kind of talking head boardroom type scenes or you know more human interaction back and forth type stuff but the it absolutely makes the horror aspects of the book and the gore aspects or <laughs> I guess lack of more gentle word sing on on the page it's it is really really cool uh, her art is made even more appealing or appropriately disturbing you may say by dear blood Kelly's very strong color work uh, they employ a lot of texture and subtle highlights that complement both of uh, Sally's art and Peter's tone that he's established with the writing. Uh, it's a really, really strong art team here. Uh, I really enjoyed this first issue, and I'm very much looking forward to both what's next for this story and going back and checking out some more of Sally's sequential work and Dear Bloods as well. Like I said, they they both you know just killed it on the art front, and yeah, I definitely need to go check out more of their work. Uh, aside from the stuff I see posted on social media. I purchased Human Remains on Comixology, and you can find it there or any smart comic shop near you. It's not up on Vault's site yet as of recording, but I'm sure they will have it up soon enough. I don't know what they're... I don't know if they just do collections on their website or if they do actual single issues, but definitely seek this out. It is really cool. It is really... Yeah, it's just really cool, really well done. If you like Vertigo-type comics or just something that's... You know, a new take on, you know, the post-apocalyptic unending terror <laughs> uh, that that's not just all like, you know, destruction and rubble. And it's something that's more full of tension and emotional weight. Definitely check this out. Human Remains, Vault Comics, highly recommend. 
My music recommendation this week is the new album from Carcass, Torn Arteries. Carcass was a band that I've long heard of, but until a couple of weeks ago, I've never listened to. And <laughs> boy, do I feel stupid. Well, more stupid than usual. Uh, because this album, Torn Arteries, is just absolutely fantastic. Carcass has been around for a few decades, and you can definitely firmly describe them as death metal. But what surprised me a lot about this album was how much it just grew. Uh, from like the opener instant classic riff of Torn Arteries uh, to the spiraling head bobber groove of Dance of Dance of Zitab, I think it is, uh, to the thrashy Kelly meets Emporium and the bouncy tribute to alternate picking gods in God We Trust. There's a lot of this on this album that I connected to musically. Um, and while the vocals aren't 100% the style of vocals I'm usually uh, going for, I was definitely fine with them. Uh, some some of the higher, uh, higher toned kind of like, I don't know what you would call this type of uh, screaming or whatever or or vocal style would be, but you know I was totally with it. I was digging it. So yeah, <laughs> I'm really glad I have like a new band to kind of like dig into. Uh, I did look into their back catalog a little bit after checking out this album, and I don't think I'll be 100% like into everything they've done but there's definitely some other stuff that i've heard that i'm like okay i i definitely uh have to give some of this its due two things that really struck me about this album is one the production which manages to sound both modern and have a real classic vibe to it so props to the band and their team for that i tried to look up who the producer was and i couldn't really find it uh, there's a few interviews that wouldn't load for me <laughs> online so Apologies to their team, but you guys did a great job. The album sounds really, really good. Uh, the second thing is that I really kind of uh, struck me and I really liked about this album. It goes in a few directions that I did not expect. There's a few instrumental elements uh, or instrument elements, I should say, that, you know, like, like claps <laughs> and stuff like that, that you wouldn't normally have like in a death metal album. But uh, I did manage to read an interview with the vocalist bassist Jeff Walker, who described this album as dad rock. So I guess that would be a heads up to their fans on that end. Like, you know, this is Carcass's version of dad rock. Uh, will I love all of Carcass? Not, probably not sure. I'm not sure about that. But do I love dad rock Carcass? Hell yeah, I do. <laughs> so here's a taste of my favorite track, In God We Trust. Torn Arteries is available everywhere, and you should definitely check it out.
All right, my guest today is well-known YouTuber, musician, and unexpected TikTok star Andrew Bena. I've been a fan of Andrew's for a couple years now, and I was just absolutely delighted that he was able to take some time from his very busy schedule and come on the show. I had a lot of fun chatting with Andrew about his awesome band Carcosa, our mutual love of the band Spirit Box, Doom, and there's like a whole bunch more stuff. Andrew's a really great dude, and I hope you enjoy our chat. So let's get to it. Okay, so in the you know span of the episodes I've been doing for the show, there's been only a handful of non-comic book people I've interviewed, and I'm really doing my best to try to broaden the horizons of the show and have more musicians and YouTubers and stuff on. And I've been incredibly thankful for the ones I have had on, and I am especially thankful for my guest today. He has, one, an awesome band in Carcosa, two, an awesome YouTube channel with tons of great videos and and kind of series that he does, and three, a hilarious TikTok. (laughs) So uh, before we get into any of all that, first things first, Andrew Bena, Comics Coffee Metal, what are you digging right now? Well, thanks so much for having me in the kind words. Um, What am I digging lately? For comics, uh, as we talked about kind of before this, I'm I'm not too much a comic guy, unfortunately. Um, for coffee, I've just been keeping it easy with some regular old Starbucks because it's walking distance from my house and I'm very lazy. <laughs> and then for metal, uh, I got to give a big shout out to my friends over in Spirit Box. They just dropped their album last it's, Friday or so I don't good. know when the, in relation to today's episode, but you know, recently. Um, and it's amazing. and I am just so proud of them. Like it's insane seeing how successful they have been with this album. And I know they've been working on it for so long and it's just so cool to see it finally out in the wild and doing even better than they ever could have dreamed. And it's just, just awesome to see. And it also helps that the music is also amazing. So definitely give a big shout out over to spirit box for the, for the metal suggestion for me. Yeah. Yeah. Spirit box is definitely one of those bands where, I wasn't aware of them, and I think it was uh, probably one of Nick Nocturnal's reaction videos mm. that I saw. I think it was Circle with me, and right. it just floored me. I'm like, yeah. "Holy shit!" Like, you know, it's not like, "Oh, this girl's or this woman is screaming like, you know, mm-hmm. at such a, like an incredible level." Because yeah, I was aware of Ginger and 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 mm-hmm. you know, other bands, and it's like, but no, just the whole thing, the way they put it together, the way it went from like almost just like pop style vocals to just you know pure raw Mm -hmm. aggression and it's right back to it and just the the grooves and everything i'm just like wow and then yeah just digging deeper and deeper it's like this this is an incredible band that i would be shocked if they're like not like taking over (laughs) if they don't cross over somehow i'm pretty sure they just had the number two album in the u.s like after lil nas x which is Real. insane because that's wow. you know the the dude who made uh oh fuck what was the song montero uh, yeah uh, montero i was thinking of the the previous one i can't remember the name oh, it was like, um old town road yes that one thank yeah. you um yeah, yeah so after that person is spirit box which is absolutely insane for especially for any metal band but yeah let alone one from from canada like me very cool um yeah so that album is amazing and you know they've have been working so hard for so long and it has certainly paid off and it's really cool to see how many people are really loving it and uh, i don't know it's just just awesome overall um yeah that's probably the most recent metal album that i've been obsessed with although today 
Whitechapel released a new song and it's super, super good. Uh, I don't know if you heard it, but man, the guitar tone on this new song is insane. Like I've never heard a guitar tone like it before, I feel like, and I got to know how they're doing it. I, I have not checked it out. Whitechapel is one of those bands where um, I haven't really dug into them yet. Okay. More of the, I guess, deathcore, metalcore type stuff. I'm still relatively new to that. Okay, you know, sure, gotcha. I, I was a groove metal guy for so long. Okay. And then I was a symphonic metal guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then slowly but surely, death and and, and black metal and, and, and the cores started right. seeping their way in and, and stuff <laughs> like that. Um, and, no, and no small thanks to, you know, like watching your videos and like Nick's videos and, you know, getting exposed to that stuff and being like, oh, this, this is just pretty awesome. Let me dig That's deeper. Cool. That's um, really cool to hear. I'm always curious, like how people, people's like paths in in metal or however you want to want to call that is, is always very interesting. Yeah, some, something I uh, early on in the show I I was doing was like kind of I've, I kind of had a, a general idea that most people who are into metal got in through like one of the big four. Mm-hmm. No matter where they are now, one of the big four was their entry point. Interesting. I was not that way, but I mean, I think in general you probably are right. But for me, it was actually uh, Lincoln Park. Well, I, I th- as as time went on, and, and my guests were younger than me, <laughs> I <Right>. started to <laughs> see that 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 scope started. But people born, you know, uh, you know, between I say I would say 1980 and 1990 <laughs> in that right. ten years. I guess the, that makes the more big sense, four <laughs> would most likely been you know their 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 entry point. Right. Into that, um, yeah, but no, yeah, me, here I don't know. It was Lincoln Park and new metal because that's was the only type of metal on the radio, yeah. Which you know is very light in comparison, obviously. But that was like the first time I heard anything with screaming, and I was like, "What is that? <laughs> and how are they doing that?" <laughs> yeah, new metal came when uh, I graduated high school in two thousand. So okay, um, new metal was like at its peak when I graduated. So I was never anti new metal myself Mm -hmm. because i was still pretty early on in my metal journey there and that was kind of one of the some of the stuff i'm like oh no one else i really know because most people i knew were like either you liked metallica or pantera or Mm -hmm. slayer or fuck you right you know so (laughs) so when i wanted to hear like you know some limp biscuit or some corn or something like that like you know i i i I was on my own Mm -hmm. trying to find that stuff but you know i i think new metal is getting the uh now that it, it's 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 had like it's twenty years past since it's been oh, out. Yeah. I think people think about it more fondly. Obviously, there Definitely. was obviously there was garbage stuff called you know oh, in, course, in that yeah. genre, but that's in all metal oh, and yeah, all every genres. Genre has that. Has I that. mean, you can totally hear it. And there's a lot of bands right now, I would say, who are directly influenced by um, new metal, especially like Slipknot and Corn. I hear yeah. so much Slipknot and Corn influence in a lot of the bands that are. Some of the biggest band, well, you know, relatively speaking, like the biggest bands in in deathcore or metalcore, let's say. Um, well, like fuck, take Bring Me the Horizon for example. They're like one of the biggest bands in the world, and they are very clearly influenced by Lincoln Park, and mm-hmm. I think that's really cool. Yeah. Same with um, for a little bit of smaller of a scale, like 
Slaughter to Prevail is one of the biggest bands in deathcore right now, I would say. And their new album sounds so much like Slipknot. It's honestly insane. And I mean that in a good way because I love mm -hmm. it. Um, and then same with, um, for a metalcore example would be this band called Tala. I don't know if you've heard of them, but they are a little newer. They only have one album, but yeah, it's like totally so much like corn and Slipknot influence in there. And it's really cool. Yeah. And I, I, I totally agree with you. And I think that's an awesome thing because, you know, metal's gotten to the point to where it's, you know, so many subgenres. like it's not even worth, yeah. it's not even worth, just, you know, like classifying yourself in a subgenre anymore. Yeah, it is and it isn't. I guess it's 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 good from a marketing perspective, maybe, if you're in a band so yeah. people can find you if they're like, hey, we're Deathcore, and if you like Deathcore, you should listen to us. Like, I can mm -hmm. see the use of it from that point of view, but that's pretty much it. Other than that, it doesn't really do anything. Well, something, you know, I that I enjoy is, you know, I have a lot, I have a pretty wide variety of metal that I do enjoy. You know, mm -hmm. I could easily enjoy Amaranth or Metallica or, you know, go to, you know, the new metal era of Machine Head <laughs> or, mm -hmm. you know, or Limp Bizkit or Korn or, you know, listen to like Distant or right. Spirit Box or um, Crypta, you know, so like mm -hmm. just, I, I feel like I have a, a good wide swath of stuff I can listen to. So when I see like classifications of things, I'm just like, I don't even know what this means anymore. <laughs> right. And what, what, what was a pleasant surprise to me was uh Carcosa's album anthology. When you guys dropped that, like I'd heard the individual songs, mm -hmm. but I guess in my head, I hadn't put it together as a full, like, Oh, this is coming out as a full album. Mm. Um, you know, I have, I, I guess I didn't envision it in my brain. So when you dropped a full right. album, I was like, Holy shit. Like this is, like you guys just are like all over the place, but like in the best way. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. Uh, I as, mean, or sorry, go ahead. Uh, well, I'm trying to like, I was trying to like tell like what my favorite track was and stuff like that. And it's like, I, it's mm. hard to choose. Um, <laughs> well, that's good. Uh, but like, even like, I, I have to say that like the one that probably sticks with me most is like vermin okay. because it feels like you guys do everything in that song. Right, like there's yeah. like all these different style of vocals, all these different like just vibes and, and riffs and stuff that are happening in there. And for someone like me, I'm like, fuck yeah. <laughs> this is <laughs> this is awesome. This is this is like having a nice buffet right in front of me. I'm like, this is everything I like. Awesome guys. Thank you. Hell yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm glad I'm glad you like that song. I I actually didn't write any of that one but i'm happy you like it um that one was all johnny's baby he uh did that entire thing which he's he's crazy um but yeah that's that's cool and i mean i think part of the reason why hopefully we sound you know like we're a little more diverse if as you were saying is also like the three primary songwriters i think we all have like pretty different influences um so I, I think like maybe that comes out in our music, like Johnny, Johnny's songs are usually like a lot faster and more, I don't know, like almost more like the first wave of deathcore or whatever you want to call it, like mm -hmm. from, from 2010 or whatever. Whereas like me and Cooper, I feel like we write more stuff that's closer to like modern deathcore. Like we listen a lot to bands like Brand of Sacrifice and Humanity's Last Breath and stuff like that. 
and we take a lot of influences from more like current bands and I, I don't know but then again johnny listens to that stuff too so I, maybe i'm just making shit up i don't really know <laughs> but i'm sure some combination of of our influences gets mixed in there and somehow works itself out <laughs> well it's 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 cool to hear that just that you guys have you know at least a, a, a range of influences you bring into the band and you guys are not mm-hmm. all listening to the same things all the time yeah, because it, it does create a real cool just like journey for the album just to have all these different stuff because um other tracks i really enjoy uh, the census our scars vanta black you know those are ones i keep coming back to myself and it, it feels like it's cohesive it's a cohesive mm-hmm. album but it, it it just takes a lot of twists and turns in it and it's done so in a way i think that it's not jarring it's mm-hmm. it's, it's it's like a a roller coaster you enjoy going on right <laughs> Uh, and you don't feel nauseous or weird after. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah, uh, I mean that was kind of like we, the three or the four of us have been in in a band before this, and that was kind of like a major issue we were having in the past, where we felt like with our previous band it did not feel cohesive or concise because to our ears at least it felt like it was very obvious where it was like, oh, this song was written by Johnny, this song was written by Cooper, this song was written by me, and it was like almost like we had three separate styles and they weren't necessarily like blended together. Um, so maybe just, you know, over the years of writing so much music together, we finally kind of figured out what all of us like. And also of course, like whenever humanly possible, we try and actually write together now. So I'm sure that helped us a lot to kind of like evolve and get a little bit better at, at writing. Awesome. Yeah. It's, one of the best compliments I think I can give for the album is once it's done, I can put it right back on. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm you know, super happy to hear that. Um, like as much as I love, like uh, I mentioned before, distant mm-hmm. after I'm done listening to that album, I need a break. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? It's pretty, pretty fucking intense for sure. You know, I, I need to, I, I, I need my ears and my soul needs a rest, <laughs> <laughs> but you guys come with the aggression but it's it, it's aggressive enough to you know to pump you up, but it's also you know not bludgeoning me to death, <laughs> right? <laughs> that I can go yeah. back and I can continue the experience. <laughs> that's good, man. I'm I'm really happy to hear that, and that's something that we definitely try pretty hard to make sure that our songs have some kind of like structure or or you know when it goes into like the whole EP or the whole album, like it feels like there's a natural progression that makes sense. And it's not just, you know, breakdowns for 20 minutes straight. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, it kind of is breakdowns for 20 minutes straight, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it definitely has like some kind of flow to it. And and we try pretty hard to make sure that that's there. And again, I got to give credit where credit is due. I think Johnny is really good at kind of structuring the songs in a way that makes the most sense from a, (laughs) from a listener perspective, I guess you could say. Um, like I think it was if all of the choruses, especially like that's usually his idea to add those in there. And mm-hmm. I think that those end up usually being like the best parts of our songs cause they end up being the most memorable and because they're repeated, like people hopefully, you know, catch on to them and stuff like that. So I don't know. It's, it's definitely a little different for deathcore perhaps cause most deathcore songs I don't really think have choruses, but that's something that we try and add in there to kind of hopefully make ourselves stand out or, or something like that. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> well, that, that's, that's kind of the thing though, right? Like it's one thing to uh, consider yourself part of a genre or, 
of music or or whatever this also applies to like even art but it's also like if you if you're sticking to the rules you're going to get mm-hmm. stale yeah. you know if you're if you're like we oh we can't have choruses because you know this deathcore doesn't have choruses and it's like right. well why not like you know I, I get it like you know things evolve and it kind of becomes mm-hmm. a thing of the thing but it's like well after a while like well what what if they did what would be so wrong with that mm-hmm. and for someone like me I, i'm like this is cool but, you know this this is makes it you know not necessarily that you know i need a chorus to listen to a song or anything like that but right it makes it something different, you know, and sticking to particular, you know, rules or, or, uh, tropes of a genre, be it music or art or whatever. It's yeah. It it, it doesn't, it, it's not something that's sustainable, I think. Yeah. I think that I can agree with that for sure. It, it's kind of like a weird balancing act, right? Where you don't want to stray too far because people might not quote unquote get it. Um, but you also don't want to do necessarily the exact same thing that has already been done because eventually, even if it's working right now, like it, it'll get boring eventually either for you or for the listener. So it's definitely a, a bit of a balancing act where you're kind of trying to, I don't know. It's tricky. Like a lot of artists, I feel like they say they don't think about what their audience wants but I don't know if that's necessarily a good or bad thing because thinking about what your audience wants to hear could also benefit you if you do it properly. You know what I mean? 100%. As long as you're not, you know, making all of your decisions only on that and you hate your own artwork or something like that. But, you know, if you're still enjoying it, I I think it makes sense to kind of look at it from an audience perspective as well and try and think about like what might work well for them and for you you know what i mean yeah i mean you know a big thing of making art and sharing it is you're you're kind of looking for that connection with other people Mm -hmm. and it's not a bad thing to think about like what can i do to like increase the likelihood of having this connection with people for sure it you know i've had that thought when i make my comics you know and when i am writing my own music you know there is that thought behind me like i want to be true to what i'm writing what i want to mm-hmm. write and, and do but you know is there a way i could do this where i'm still honest with myself mm-hmm. but also you know someone else might be able to latch onto it and yeah exactly you know and make that connection because when that does happen and you know people made a connection to something you made that's like i don't know, to me that feels better than any wholly you know selfish endeavor Right. Yeah. I agree completely. I mean, that's like half, at least half the fun right there is seeing people's reaction to what you make. And if more people react to it, then I don't know, it's probably going to make you feel even better as long as they're reacting positively, I guess, but you know, (laughs) well, I I don't know. Like that's, that's definitely like at least half the fun right there is just seeing like what we love seeing people do reaction videos to our music. Cause it's, I mean, especially right now, because we were not even playing shows or anything like mm-hmm. that. Like, that's the only way that any of us in the band can see any kind of real life impact that our music has, like in real time, right? Because you're mm-hmm. watching somebody basically listen to something you made or we made for the first time ever. And it's really cool. And like, I don't know, stuff like that just totally 
I'm all about it and, and it makes me feel good when people like what we do. And, you know, why would I, why would I not want that? Exactly. Exactly. So on, on the topic of like that instant feedback and kind of like, you know, seeing what works <laughs> with kind mm-hmm. of people, uh, I think this is a good time to talk about your YouTube channel. Sure. And is that something as you've grown uh, to almost 200,000 subscribers? Is that, you know, how much, obviously you, you, you see your numbers. You're like, well, if I'm going to try to do this and make, you know, if I'm doing this as a living, you know, Mm -hmm. I got to see what my numbers are doing. I got to like, if that's what people like, you know, that's what I got to do. But obviously, you know, you don't strike me as the type of guy who's going to do it just to do it because it's hitting numbers. It's like, you got to have some sort of passion behind it, some sort of enjoyment about it. Is Oh yeah. Is there something that you've done where you're like, I don't know if people are going to get this or like this, but then all of a sudden it's like got the insane reaction you never expected? Um, yeah, I mean, I think so. There's, I feel like usually if I make a video and I think it's really good, that's probably going to be the worst performing video <laughs> I'll ever make. I don't know why. And maybe you can relate to this. I don't know if it's the same in the comics industry. Oh, yeah, but to- totally. Yeah, yeah, like it's the same for all musicians. Like they'll always tell you their favorite song is probably one that you've never heard from them or, or whatever, right? So it's the same thing for YouTube videos. I don't know why, but anytime I think my video is really good, it's probably means it's not going to do well. Whereas if I make a video and I'm nervous to put it out, those always seem to do way better. Like the ones where I'm unsure, I'm like, oh... I don't know if people are going to like this or not. And usually that ends up being the best performing one, much to my surprise, even though I'm talking about it right now and I seem to know it, I will forever be surprised by it. Um, <laughs> so what comes to mind for that? I remember like the first um, uh, busking video I did where I just like played some of my old band's songs in public. Yeah. I, when I got the edit back, like I thought the video was funny, but I thought it was incredibly embarrassing. And I <laughs> was very nervous to put it out because I don't know. I just was like, oh, I don't really look great in this video. But I mean, in hindsight, that's obviously what makes the video funny. Um, so when I put that out, I really didn't know what to expect because I, I don't know. I just I, I I was very nervous, basically. And it it ended up getting, you know, way more views than I ever could have anticipated. Um, and then same with the, the like wrecking ball cover I did back in 2013 that has like 3 million views or something like that. Like I had been doing pop meets metal covers for years before that. So I certainly wasn't expecting this one to, for some reason, blow up because in my mind I was like, oh, it's like the same thing I've been doing this whole time. So I was expecting it to do about the same and for whatever reason that one blew up and I still don't know why. Um, even though in my opinion, I don't think it's the best cover that I've ever written by any means, but for whatever reason, people really liked it. So I don't know. Um, and then the most recent example is obviously just TikTok in general. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, anything to do with TikTok is perpetually surprising to me because I'm like, this is like the easiest fucking videos I've ever made in my life. And they're also getting the most opportunities for me in terms of business. So I'm just kind of like, man, Maybe if I just put in less effort, apparently things are better. I, I don't know. <laughs> well, I think for the medium like TikTok, I, I don't have a TikTok account, but I see you when you share them and and, oh, and yeah. all that. Or um, since I'm, you know, probably uh, too old to be using TikTok anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel too, to yeah. be fair. Um, 
it's you know if i see a show up like on instagram or whatever the reels or whatever someone's reposting mm-hmm. it or whatever um i what i've noticed is the stuff that seems the or at least that i i, I enjoy is the stuff that seems like the least the most casual or the right. most like everyone's got kind of like a like a a, a joke if everything if something's mm-hmm. like too produced too but it's like th- this is not the right format for that like right um so uh, yeah you've you've you know made mention uh on your channel and social media stuff that about the tiktok kind of like blowing up and having like this crazy growth mm-hmm. yeah definitely. um which you know for me it's like i totally get it because those the the breakdown themes mm-hmm. that you, you and johnny do are, are hilarious thank you <laughs> and you know each you know each time a new one comes up it it's you know, I, I know what to expect, but then I'm mm-hmm. still just like, this is, you know, it's, it's hilarious. Um, so I'm not surprised that it, it's, it's blown up and all that. Have you seen a lot of cross traffic to your YouTube channel from that or? Um, I think that the crossover that I noticed the most is between Instagram and Spotify okay. uh, and TikTok. Like those three seem to kind of coexist pretty well. Whereas a lot of people do not necessarily come over to my YouTube channel, um, which kind of makes sense because, I mean, yes, I, I sometimes will post my TikToks on YouTube as well. But for the most part, what I put on YouTube is pretty different than what I post on Instagram or YouTube. So I kind of understand why people might not necessarily like both. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, if you're watching a stupid video of me and Johnny screaming fucking the subway theme song or whatever, <laughs> like, why are you going to go watch me review a guitar? Right. Like, there's yeah. almost no correlation at all. Um, so I kind of that kind of makes sense. But yeah, on Spotify and Instagram, I definitely notice a lot of crossover, which is awesome, especially Spotify, because um yeah, it's it's really helped grow Carcosa, and we were not really expecting that because we thought that, you know, since the videos are jokes, we were like, oh, well, most people who watch these videos probably n- maybe don't even care about metal. They just think it's funny, and that's the end of it. Mm-hmm. But it's actually really cool because we've actually seen a lot of people who have never heard Deathcore in their lives before, and now because of our stupid little video... <laughs> Carcosa is like the first deathcore band these kids are ever hearing in their entire lives. And I'm like, that is fucking crazy. Um, That's awesome. That's really, really awesome. And then just in general, like, you know, sometimes metalheads do see the funny videos and they're like, oh, I wonder if these guys have a band and then they'll go check out our band. So, yeah, we noticed a lot of crossover between those three in particular. That, that, that's great. It's, it's about, you know, I think that's cool. It's, you know, kind of like I found my way into, that type of stuff through, you know, your videos and, mm-hmm. you know, had I not been aware of you beforehand and saw that I, I would definitely be one of those people who are like, you know, these guys are both obviously really good at this, <laughs> even if it's a joke, <laughs> like, let's, let, what did they do? <laughs> let's see what right, they yeah. do. So I, it's cool. You're getting that, um, you're being a gateway mm-hmm. and uh, bringing some more people into metal. I think that's, I think it's very awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you. It's, it's, again surprising but obviously we're we're very happy about it and as long as it keeps working we'll keep doing it i mean to some extent like we were kind of just talking about with with um you know what videos are surprising to to me those are surprising to me because like i was saying like i feel like they are so much more casual and take maybe not necessarily nearly as much effort as like a full-on youtube video but the results they produce are are way better 
So it's kind of weird in a way where I'm like, man, I kind of sometimes I'm, I catch myself feeling like I wish people cared about the thing I care about more. But at the same time, it doesn't really matter because they're still finding out about me and the band and whatever one way or the other. So it's it's a good thing in the end. And it's just me being egotistical and being like, oh, <laughs> why don't they care about the video I spent 30 hours on instead of this one hour TikTok? But like, it doesn't really matter. It's just me being a an idiot. <laughs> well, you're, you're not alone. Like with comic art, it's the same way. Like I can go on Twitter and I can post like a quick sketch. I'm doing like a work in progress or something. And that mm-hmm. has like 10 times the response like a full finished illustration gets right or you do the the sketch and everyone loves it and then you go and finish it and then it's yeah. crickets right yeah <laughs> exactly exactly or you know you, we're, we're, as creators we're we're not always like the the thing that hits the most isn't always like i said the the thing that we're always most proud of like mm-hmm. um i i can tell a difference like if i you know, post a scene where it's like, oh, this is like an establishing shot. So there's like buildings and people and crowds walking. Something that's time consuming and mm-hmm. not exactly, you know, flashy or anything like that. But it's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. You know, I know all my artist friends will like it because they're like, yes, I recognize the work you put into this. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> but then, you know, uh, you know, any the quote unquote fans or or readers or whatever, like it, it's it's middling the best. But then, you know, you draw Wolverine or Deadpool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like this is fucking yeah. awesome like, yeah it's like all right cool <laughs> that's fine yeah it's it's, it's but you know what? That what it's, whatever, it's very similar for sure whatever brings them to the dance right you know yeah i mean hey that's why i, I do so many covers on youtube right like yeah hey, if you watch me play guitar in a cover maybe you'll watch me play guitar in my actual band hopefully mm-hmm. right um yeah i I've, I've had to view it like i've had to like i not necessarily justify it but like position it in my brain like it's like building a house right mm-hmm. people who buy a house you're not look you're not like driving by a house like look at the foundation of that house right right that's a great foundation i want it's like no you're looking at this the color and the the curb appeal and all that so that's what kind mm-hmm. of is the difference to me um yeah definitely. which you know shitty segue but congrats on buying your home <laughs> and having <laughs> a, a, a dedicated studio space that is as you said not like a hole in a kitchen <laughs> oh man thank you so much it's been i mean we've only lived here for a month now but the difference has already been crazy it's so nice because yeah my my previous living situation as you as you mentioned was basically we kind of had like a combination like living room kitchen and dining room it was just like all like one big area um and then there was like this weird little like nook i guess you would call it like just a cutout in the in the middle like basically it's between the kitchen and the living room and that's where all my stuff was but obviously in my youtube videos i made it look way more professional than it was um but yeah it kind of sucked because you know we only have one bedroom in the basement so my fiance works on the phones all day so you know i can't I, I couldn't do vocals like certain hours of the day. I couldn't record guitars too loud. Sometimes I'd have to wear headphones, et cetera, et cetera. Like all these little things, which were of course fine at the time, but now not having to do any of that and being able to literally do whatever <laughs> comes to my mind, whenever it comes to my mind is amazing. And I, yeah, it's, it's crazy how much of a difference it made. It's made so far for sure. So thank you so much. I really appreciate that. <laughs> I, I do have to say you, you, you mentioned that you made it look more professional than, than it, it seemed probably to, to you in, the, in the actual space. And, I was mm-hmm. I was literally thinking that like you hit it very well. If it was like yeah. a cramp, <laughs> like you, it looked just as professional and 
put together as any other, you know, well put together YouTubers aside from like Ola England, who has like a right, yeah, he has like a literal <laughs> school, like high school classroom or whatever. Yeah, and, and he just moves into a new space, which you know, oh, yeah, yeah, which uh, you know, it, it brings me to something where it's like one of my, I guess my favorite things that I realized was a favorite thing was seeing YouTubers I've been following for a long time like upgrade their space. Hmm. Like whenever, like for some reason, when that starts happening, I get like really excited. Like I'm getting an upgrade. Yeah. Like it's e- cool. I don't know. It's like it's it's probably because depending on the YouTuber, like you've probably watched this person for years, so you feel like you know them or are friends or something. And when they do something big in their lives, like I don't know, it's it's always cool. I feel the same way about YouTubers that I watch too. So I yeah. definitely get you. Yeah, I was yeah I was, I was totally stoked for you to get your your space all set up. I was like. Uh, obviously, you know, aforementioned Ola and Glenn, like when he mm-hmm. first moved into his new studio and then now they're moving yeah. to another one. It's like those videos <laughs> to me are like, you know, that's, you know, my HGTV now. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. Screw Property Brothers. Let me see this. And <laughs> and then I see, you know, Agafish uh, Hunter, mm-hmm. he's he's shopping for a new place, it looks like. So I'm like getting excited for that yeah. video. Like, ooh, I can't wait to see what his new space is going to be. Yeah, in. yeah. I'm excited for him, too. I, I play uh, video games with him occasionally. So he's, he's a great dude. Yeah, and it, it's it, it's fun because you know I think it's it, it's part of that like the vicarious sharing of success mm-hmm. uh, for for people whose you know content you enjoy and, and stuff like that. And I hate using the word like that content, but I mean I, I <laughs> that's all good. Um, but yeah, it, even like there's even a couple of tech YouTubers who like they're upgrading their spaces, and I'm like, oh, awesome, you know? Yeah, it's it's cool to see. I mean, it, it's also fun to make those types of videos like from from my perspective like the whole time i was building this space i knew that when it was done i was obviously going to make a video so as much as it was you know not necessarily fun like painting a room or whatever it was still kind of cool like seeing it come together piece by piece and knowing that at the end of it i i I had like a vision in my mind for what i thought it was going to look like and I was like, oh, this is going to be really cool to share with my followers. And, and then when I put the video up, everyone was really excited for me. And it was cool. <laughs> yeah, that it's, it's, it's really awesome when that happens. Uh, I had that kind of a similar experience not too long ago where, you know, we were rearranging, remodeling our house a bit. And I mm-hmm. finally got a space to put up, you know, all my guitars on the wall. Awesome. Have my art desk, my computer music desk, have that all set up it, you know, exactly like I planned it in SketchUp. In, mm-hmm. in the, the building oh program. you even went so yeah. far as to do a sketch yeah That's crazy. yeah um i think i tried to do that for about 30 seconds and <laughs> didn't immediately understand it so i gave up well i well <laughs> given given my chosen profession i i True. I, I, <laughs> I i feel that way all the time because i don't use it enough to be proficient in it but i use okay. it enough to where like i kind of have to know a little bit about it right um, but i finally got the way i wanted for like three months it was amazing and That's then awesome. COVID. <laughs> and mm, then my wife's yeah. like, I got to work from home. <laughs> it's like, all uh, right, well, we got to find a desk for you in here and make the space and do all this other stuff. Right. And it's fine now. You know, we share the space now. I've reconfigured things and changed desks and got it to more, uh, be more open and not feeling so cramped, which is, you mm-hmm. know, it's actually, I think, better than when I had it before. That's um, good. But yeah, it, it's, I know that feeling where it's like, ah, this is exactly what I wanted perfect yeah. and, and you feel so it it, it, it fuels you a bit you know, like because when your space is comfortable and what you want and how you feel like accomplished even 
Definitely. Or even just having all of your stuff set up where you want it or like you always know where things are Mm -hmm. or things are always plugged in or whatever the situation is, like having it readily available. Anything, anything that can make your life more efficient is, is a good thing. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Um, like every, uh, out of the past, I've done, I think four out of the past five years and in October, I do this thing called Rifftober. Okay. Where every day I write a new riff, post a video, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, of course me being me, I have to like overdo what I do. So it's usually like double tracked (laughs) with a baseline and there's a video with a title or whatever, even if it's just on my phone with iMovie or whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. But, you know, when I was doing that before in our old space, like I didn't really have, like I had to kind of like what you had to do with, I had to choose my angles because <laughs> otherwise it's like right, the rest right. of my house or whatever. Yeah. But now here exactly. it's like, I can have just the, the, the tripod set up or whatever and just do everything and be done in like 20 minutes if I'm on, if I'm, yeah know, if I work Definitely well. helps like not spending so much time on. I don't know. It's it's weird. Like trying to be a guitarist isn't really just about playing guitar, right? Like you have to know how to edit videos, make thumbnails, add titles, backtracks, program drums, like everything, right? Yeah, so yeah. You become, anything you, you can do to make all of that other stuff easier, so you can actually play guitar, is great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and I'm not trying to be like a, a guitar YouTube person or whatever. I like making videos here and there and all that, but it's not like something I want to do, like as right. like. So, you know, I don't give it <laughs> all the, all the work that it would need to, to be anything that actually has growth and all that. Hmm. But, you know, I, I'm the type of person who's like a jack of all trades. So it's, so it's like, right, all right, right. I know how to do some mixing and recording. I know how to do some video editing. I know how to do mm-hmm. some Photoshop. I know how to do some illustrator. I know how to do some, uh, well, uh that's good. Then you would make a perfect YouTuber. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would, if I didn't want to, you know, uh, go into the you know, ex- incredibly lucrative job of making comic books, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, so I, on social media, I put out the call for some questions that I've had some responses. Okay. Uh, so we're going to get to those. Uh, first up is from Mixadorian. Uh, he one wants to say that he loves your mixes. And he wants to know if you have an ideal sweet spot for guitars in your mix. Ideal sweet spot. Um, I mean, it's it's really just all about those mid frequencies for for me, and I think I think any metal producer would basically say that. Um, so what I like to do the most, or what I try to do the most, is make my bass guitar and my guitar like blend together, because I think a lot of people don't realize that most of their favorite well depending on what genre you listen to like metalcore deathcore stuff most of those guitar tones are like i would say almost like 60 percent bass guitar 40 percent guitar like the bass Mm -hmm. makes a big difference so i think the mistake that some people make perhaps is focusing perhaps too much on the guitar tone and then kind of being like oh the bass is the bass whatever um so yeah, I don't know if that necessarily answers your question, but figuring out a way to kind of have the guitar sit above your bass guitar, or ha- or even better, have your bass guitar be like under and above your guitar, and then the bass be in the middle of the two layers. That's usually what I try and do. So it's really like all about that mid range, and then let the bass guitar take care of the bass, obviously, and then have some like nice top end on that bass, and it'll kind of glue it all together and make it sound a lot bigger. Yeah, that's 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 some great advice. That's definitely something I've heard 
from you know watching producers videos and stuff like mm-hmm. that it, it's finding that blend of the bass and and the guitar yeah um, it's definitely like very popularized by like periphery and stuff like that like there's a a really good plugin um called Parallax if you want to get super nerdy about this that does basically exactly that but in one plugin so it kind of has like basically like a separate function for the low end and the high end so you can actually like m- you know essentially make like two different tones for one bass track and it's it's really cool but you can also do it yourself in other ways of course yeah i've i've seen plenty of videos where it's like okay you have the the high tinny kind of clanky mm-hmm. The clank, the clank, and then uh, mm-hmm. which, fun enough, I use a plugin called Clank from Audio Assault there for my go. bass. <laughs> and then <laughs> nice. you have the then you have the low fuzzy distorted bass, and then you mm-hmm. kind of blend those in together. Sometimes with the DI track, and yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think I I you know, uh, I think that's a, some perfect advice for Mixador. And I've actually heard some of his his uh, tracks themselves, and he's a pretty good mixer himself. So nice. Um, Good question. Well, you probably already knew that then, but hopefully it helps anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next up is from Kevin six six five. He wants to know: Do you write to a click or to drums? Because he likes to write to just like a basic drum beat and finds it very difficult to do a click. Interesting. Um, I have always written to a click. I don't necessarily know why. Probably because I was used to practicing with a metronome. So to me. Since I was used to, I mean, that really is what playing to a click is anyways. So it just made more sense for me to record to a click first and foremost. Um, if, if I want to get really specific, basically what I do is I set up a click in my recording program and I record like a loose version of the guitar track, like whatever idea I have. If I have a riff idea, I'll record just the riff by itself to a click and then I stop, and then I write drums to the riff, and then I delete the riff, and then I play the riff again, but on time to the click and the drums. Because, mm-hmm. I don't know, I, I definitely always play it better if there's actual music or yeah. drums in the background. But that's kind of my way of doing it, is I get the riff down first, and then I write drums to the riff, and then delete the riff, and then sometimes it might even help with you know, altering the riff or coming up with what the next riff might be because it sounds a little bit more like a full song. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like playing to just pre-made drum tracks, I've never personally found it to be useful because I also write all the drums for my music. So hearing someone else's drum track for a riff that I'm writing just doesn't really compute for me. It doesn't make sense to my brain. So I don't know. That's that's the way that I personally do it. Yeah, I think it also makes you more open to being kind of like creative or kind of doing different stuff to a riff you norm- wouldn't normally do. Yeah, perhaps. Um, I, I don't, I don't think it hurts by any means. And I don't know. It's also just a good way to practice writing drums as well. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. When I first started um, playing guitar again, after a many, many year break about five years ago, mm-hmm. I got easy drummer. So like right. all the stuff I was writing was to like simple beats or whatever that was, was there. But then after mm-hmm. a while, I'm like, everything I'm writing sounds the same. Right. Because okay, I'm playing to mean. the same drums. It's not, they're okay. not fancy drums. It's just a one, two, three, four beat in different sure, tempos yeah. or whatever. Um, but I'm like, I need to, I need to switch it up. So that's, that's when I personally was like, okay, let me try the clicks. I could never work with a click before. I just never had the patience for it. But making mm-hmm. myself do that, I was just doing different things to a riff. Yeah. And it wasn't, you know, 
it wasn't uh it, it was sounding different it was opening up the the fretboard to me a bit more because i wasn't beholden to where i was expecting the snare hit right in the in, in the bass in the and sometimes i'll i'll have a drum pattern in my head and i'm sure you know that you've probably had this too and mm-hmm. you, you you lay that down and you're like okay let me find a riff for this then <laughs> and, and it works right, and it yeah. works backwards I don't think I ever start any song with a drum beat in mind. It's it's almost always a guitar riff first, but yeah, I mean the the point still stands. Like it's for me, it's a lot easier to write drums to a guitar rather than guitars to a drum. I, I don't know. That's just the way my brain works, perhaps. And I mean, at the end of the day, too, just learning to record and practice to a click will also just make you a way better guitar player. So it's it's kind of like a double double win if you can. Just force yourself to do it. I know that's not the best advice is just fucking do it. But um, if you decide to, it will probably help you out quite a bit. And it will help in other regards of your songwriting, too, in my opinion. That true words never spoken. Like just some you, practice can suck, but it helps. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it helps, you know, um, to type to tie into the, with art, like sitting, you know, drawing hands. On sketchbook mm. page after sketchbook page, it's kind of boring and kind of sucks, but it helps you out in the end. Like, <laughs> right? You know, so it this this it, or like if you want to bring sports into it, fundamentals, play to a mm. click. You know, learn learn to do that. It it it's I I still kind of have to like realign my thinking whenever I start doing that again, and it's just but it's always worth it. So yeah, I I hope mm-hmm. that helps out, Kevin. Um. Ooh, David J has an interesting one. What's the worst guitar tone you've ever had? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, shit. I mean, okay. Well, actually, this is easy. So the the way that I first ever learned how to record was... Did you ever play Rock Band? You know what Rock Band yeah, is, right? Yeah. Like the video game? Okay. So Rock Band comes with a USB mic. <laughs> <laughs> so what I did, because I didn't know anything at the time was I duct taped the Rock Band USB mic to the front of my 15-watt Line 6 Spider 2, which is notoriously (laughs) one of the worst-sounding amps of all time. Uh, Um, So yeah, that was probably the worst guitar tone I ever had. But when I was learning how to record, I was, I don't know, 17 or something. This would have been like 2010. mm -hmm. And the internet was not as helpful for home recording. Also, home recording just wasn't really as much of a thing back then. So trying to figure that out on a very, very limited budget of a teenager was quite interesting. Not like today when you can just basically plug it into an iPhone and be like, yeah, it sounds like a 5150 right away somehow. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. You can iPhone and iRig and, you know, load up GarageBand and have a mm-hmm. bias on the side. Yeah. Exactly. It's amazing. I wish I had that when I was a kid, but yeah. hey. I'd I'd have to say if I were to answer this question myself, um, back around two thousand two two thousand one, I got a Boss BR eight recorder. Okay. Now this was a digital recorder, and it wasn't a four track, uh, like the old tape Boss. Uh, not, not sorry, not Boss Tascam, but mm-hmm. I think they're I think they're um, was it the Boss? Yeah, it was the Boss BR eight. Never mind. So. This was a digital eight track record and recorded to zip drives. Oh wow! I don't know if people remember these, but they look like three and a half inch floppies, but like thicker and whatever. And okay. they had all these built. in It was like one of the first things I had, like all the built in amps and effects and things like that. And it sounded <laughs> not great whatsoever. 
Right. And, but my buddy would come over like every Sunday and we would just like spend four or five hours just writing quote unquote songs. Mm-hmm. Um, just, you know, and then dubbing them down to tape or whatever to listen to and whatever on and on and on and on. And some of the tones we captured on <laughs> the old, uh, we're still better than the line six spider two I ever had. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. That thing that, was not good. That I, uh, I thought it was good. I thought it was really awesome. But, we all did. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, and it was just a, you know, it was like a $150 amp that could quote unquote do effects. So yeah. I was like, sounds good to me. Yeah. Uh, kids these days. Yeah, you know, it sound like an old man, like, oh, you don't know what... We, we didn't have like katanas when we were your age, buddy. Yeah, man, I wish. <laughs> like, just pl- plug into a $90 interface and you're good. Lo- you know? Load up, a, you know, something from Neural and then there you go. Yeah, that's still what I use 90% of the time, even though I have these giant amps behind me. I'm still just like, ah... This plugin is easier and it kind of sounds just as good, so yeah. fuck it. Yeah, I'm I'm all digital. I have no actual amps. Uh yeah. yeah, I usually use the Gojira mm-hmm. DSP or, a great one. or the uh Will Putney. Okay. I haven't tried the STL stuff, but I've heard it's pretty good. Yeah, it's real good. And then I'm I'm really into this uh getting into this company, Audio Assault. They're really starting to come out with some really cool stuff. They have a fifty one fifty clone and uh okay i think i saw that i haven't tried it myself and they have but i a, definitely saw some people posting about it on facebook or something they have a rev clone oh, called rvxx which is really okay. good. i don't know how it compares to the real thing but it sounds good on right. its own and then they just put out uh the bulldog which is a pitbull amp okay and what, what i like what i like about them is you know i think it's, it all sounds really good and if you have some really good irs to throw in not that mm-hmm. their irs are bad but um, there. If you have some third-party impulse responses that are of high quality, I think it's just really good stuff. Like again, I don't have the comparisons. Like, right, I, right. But on its own, I'm like, this sounds good. Like, this sounds. It sounds. Well, it doesn't even necessarily matter if it sounds like the original. Yeah. Like, it just as long as it sounds good, it's fine. Yeah, and the thing I like about them too is like they're cheap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was just looked it up read a curiosity in yeah the i got here. <laughs> uh since since I've, i'm a previous customer like i'll get the email like hey this 30 dollar amp or whatever it's going to be 10 bucks for you yeah. because if you if you jump in on it early it's like oh fuck right. yeah i'm gonna do it you know why not right i think a couple of these even sent to us free and it's like they're really cool it's a small it's a small company and mm. and all that but you know i wish more uh i don't know if it's just them not reaching out to metal youtubers but i wish i would see them more in more videos because mm. i think i i was aware of them through a pete control video he did like oh, okay. their, their grind machine they had for like five bucks which is just like you know i wonder if he worked with them or if he just found it on his own i'll have to ask him about that yeah. he's another guy i play halo with all the time <laughs> <laughs> small you know small world right <laughs> or yeah. well you guys you guys are in the same field, you know. You're essentially yeah. coworkers to to an extent. Yeah, well, the the closest I can get to coworkers, <laughs> I guess, right? Yeah, and you know, uh, Pete and Hunter are both guys that I would hopefully love to have on the show one day. So, oh, um, yeah. I'll uh, forget, forget. I'll tell them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Forgive me. I'm like, well, Andrew. You know, Andrew was on the show, and he seemed to have a good time. Uh, even though it's a, this interview isn't over yet, and it can go south really fast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, we're good. We're good. <laughs> Uh, the final question we have is from Bradley O. 
and he wants to know what is your favorite doom game oh man um okay so y'all are gonna hate me for this but i only actually played the two recent ones i got into doom from doom 2016 um I think I tried to play the older ones after Doom 2016, but I, they're just so old and I don't have the nostalgia for them. So I wasn't wasn't feeling it personally. But so it's going to be between 2016 or Eternal for me. Um, I think I liked Eternal more personally. The newer one just I, I liked that they kind of changed up the art style a little bit to make it like slightly less serious in a way if if you know what i mean mm-hmm. like it's a little more cartoony a little more animated and i personally think that that fits the vibe of doom better because it's not necessarily i mean it is a serious game but it's also ridiculous yeah so to me that was like a really good middle ground of being like super like metal badass and also <laughs> kind of silly and over the top like the the uh what are they called the glory kill animations are just absolutely ridiculous um and yeah i don't know i liked doom eternal more i think doom 20 no i don't even know i was gonna say i think 2016 soundtrack is better but i'm not really sure i actually really like both yeah so yeah overall i think eternal is is gonna be the winner for me i'm excited to play eternal i again uh you know i i don't really play much video games but you mm-hmm. know hopefully when i finish 2016 <laughs> I'll, I'll jump on eternal i have a lot of fun yeah. you know there's a where i'm it seems to be a, about a 10 year age gap between us, which, um, and so yeah, I, right. I was in the doom two okay. generation to where, you know, I was, you know, what, probably 12, 12 years old playing that, which, you know, doom right. two, when you're 12 years old is like, yeah, probably crazy. <laughs> and, and when you got all the cheat codes, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I have the fondest memories of playing that, playing that like late at night with like, Beastie Boys playing, so like the one CD my brother had <laughs> in, awesome. in, our, in our computer, and just like tearing through like while Sabotage plays and stuff like that, and like right. it being like the most awesome thing. And uh, yeah, that's awesome. I've actually I've been trying to get a cover together of Sabotage, but like done like a Doom, like a Mick Gordon song. Oh, cool. Uh, that would be tricky, but it, I, I think it could be done. Yeah, it 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 it, it, it can be done. It's just I I have to like really sit down and tweak it or whatever but uh uh if i'm putting do you know this is a, a tangent but do you know the youtube channel jeff plays guitar have you heard of him i've heard of that yeah okay you should definitely check out his channel because he does basically exactly what you're talking about like he does you know other songs in the style of doom but he kills it it's insane how close he is to being like on the level of production as as like mick gordon or or andrew or david from the newer game Oh, cool! It's honestly insane, and you should definitely check it out. Like he did a cover of, um, well, he's done lots, but the one that stuck out to me was "One Winged Angel" from Final Fantasy VII. Okay, and he covered that in the style of Doom Eternal, and it's so fucking sick. You should definitely <laughs> check it out. Uh, awesome! And if he hasn't done this, maybe I'll I'll uh, <laughs> plant the seed, and he can just do it, do all the hard work, and do a much yeah. better version than I probably <laughs> ever could of that. Um, but yeah, it's but as as, as someone who's played most of the doom games um from i played doom 3 i played doom 2 i played doom ultimate doom mm-hmm. i haven't played eternal yet but i'd have to say the 2016 like it it was a pretty awesome reboot it, for sure. it caught it caught on because one it was an awesome game in its own right and two for guys like me who love the old game so much 
it was so much just like it had that feeling mm-hmm. of like you could instantly get overwhelmed and just like torn to shreds yeah. while playing. But at the same time, just kind of ridiculous and like not overly serious because the doom three yeah. kind of went way too into the serious route. I think, right. It was still a fun I, I game. Had, it was still a fun game. I never played doom three, but I remember it coming out because I would have been like 12 or something. Yeah. And I definitely was not allowed to play. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I remember about yeah. doom two. Or sorry, Doom Three. Yeah, rather. and unfortunately, that's what influenced the movie more than anything else. I think. Right. <laughs> um, the one with the Rock, or whatever. yeah, yeah, and Carl oh, Urban, man. which you know. Yeah, I think I watched about five minutes of that and was not down. <laughs> it, that that's that's one of those movies where like I wish they would remake it today, and they could literally take the same cast and remake it today, but with like the star power like 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 Carl Urban and like the Rock have now to like influence it, and if it was done right, it, I think it would be a lot. I think it would it would totally work, but right. you know, whatever. <laughs> Early two thousands genre movies like I'm sure they'll make another Doom movie at some point in time. Oh, with I, how successful those reboots have been? Yeah, I I would be shocked if there's not already like a script rolling around somewhere. Oh yeah, totally. Uh, all right, so that does it for the uh, social media questions. Thanks everybody who asked, um, Andrew. Thank you so much for coming on. I've had a blast. I don't want to keep you on for too long. Um, but there are, uh, a couple questions I had burning in my back of my brain, uh, sure, no worries. that I'd like to ask before we go. And that is one, what was your biggest draw to like play the extended range guitars? Like, do you, obviously you, 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 you know, the, the metal core death core stuff that was, a uh, an in for you, I guess, for metal or mm-hmm. something you, att- you attached to or in the new metal, the seven strings and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But is you seem to, you know, from what I can tell, like that that seems to be like your home is the extended yeah. range guitars. Definitely. Um, is, is that is well, you're answering affirmatively, so <laughs> there goes the next part. <laughs> but when you play a six string, is it is does it feel too weird? Um. Okay. Well, to answer your, the first part of your question, so the reason I got into extended range was mostly because of deathcore at first. So back in like 2010 or whatever, actually earlier than that, like 2007, let's say, I heard of Suicide Silence and Whitechapel for the first time. And I had never heard anything like that at the time, which, of course, was Deathcore. And then, of course, I was, I was playing guitar already at that point, And then I looked up guitar tabs on like how to play their stuff. And then that's how I found out like, oh, what the fuck? They're playing seven strings. I didn't even know that existed. Like, what is a seven string? Um and that's what kind of got me interested. And then I kind of just found like a local, you know, store that had a seven string and I, I bought it. And that was my introduction to extended range. Of course, you know, at the time, again, there wasn't as much knowledge on the internet and I didn't really know that baritone guitars were the same thing. <laughs> so I was like, oh, the only way to go lower is to add more strings because that's what these bands that I like do. So that's what I'm going to do. So that was the reason I started with seven. And then again, like a year later, I heard a band called After the Burial, and I was like, holy shit, this is insane. And also, what the fuck is that guitar tuning? It sounds even lower. Like, how do you do that? And then I looked up their tabs, and they played eight strings. And I was like, what the fuck is an eight string? I didn't know that existed. Same thing all over again. Um, and then, you know, a couple of years later, I ended up buying an eight string. So really, it was mostly just because the bands that I was listening to, I 
wanted to learn how to play their music and how to sound like them. And of course, once I learned, oh, they're using this piece of gear. Okay, well, I'm going to buy that piece of gear. That's pretty much it. Um, and then as for your second part of the question regarding like playing six strings feeling weird, uh, I, I don't really think it feels that weird necessarily. I, I don't really, I think it's more just the type of music I listen to more often than not happens to be tuned low. I, I don't know why, but I just like low tuned things. So I just tend to gravitate towards seven and eight strings. And, you know, if I'm learning songs by bands I like, the chances that the bands I like use seven strings or eight strings is, is pretty high. <laughs> And then from there, you know, when I started writing my own music, I was like, okay, well, again, I really like band XYZ and they all play seven or eight strings. So that's what I'm going to write with as well. And yeah, here we are. <laughs> I think, um, cause as I've started, you know, to enjoy more and more low, you know, low tune music, I'm like, well, I kind of want to <laughs> start messing around with that kind of stuff. And I'm like looking at seven strings or even eight strings. I'm like, that's just. I don't know. And uh, a few years ago, my wife had bought me the uh, Squire Bass 6. Nice. Before, like, I guess everyone, you know, and their mother <laughs> wanted it. Before Loathe existed. Yeah, before Loathe existed <laughs> and everyone bought them up. And now they're at, ins I don't know if they're still at insane prices, but because I think there's mm -hmm. enough, well, I would think there's enough copycats and stuff like that to appease. Oh, man. People are still buying the one that I have. I think I've still seen it sell for like $1,500, which is insane because oh. it was a $600 guitar brand new. Yeah. The, the one I got is the, um, the three single coils with the... Oh, okay. With, so the actual basics. Yeah, gotcha. yeah. With the with all the crazy switches. Um, right. Which I actually, I routed out the bridge and put in a full shred. A Duncan okay. full shred in the bridge. Um. But I realized that, like, no, I like I like the baritones, right? Yeah, you know, maybe because I was. A, I think, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I was a bass player first. Oh, you okay. know, and my my favorite bass is my Ibanez EDB six hundred, which I totally like lucked into because mm -hmm. I was learning on a crappy, uh, not a crappy, but I was, I was learning on a, on a Squire. P bass special or whatever right but back like in 98 99 they were it's not the same quality as if you would get one today <laughs> it, right right i believe you so i i wanted i i shit you not i was a huge jason newsted fan i still am okay and i just wanted a bass that had the four, the two by two headstock because that's mm. what he played on all the album right. on all the videos um even though at the time he was already moved on to i think like sadowski basses which had the more fendery type look but anyway mm. So I just played this Ibanez bass, and I'm like, okay, this is it. And luck, I lucked into, like, this is a fantastic instrument. It's very versatile and all that other stuff. But it's like a 34-inch scale. It's nice and long, thin neck. Mm -hmm. And it plays, it's a lot like a baritone guitar in terms okay. of, like, feel, I would say. So when I got the basics, and I'm like, well, let me mess around with this, like, and try try to tune this a little bit lower because it, it you know the basics comes strung E to E, but I strung it mm -hmm. to do just you know B standard or whatever or drop A, right. And then I think I think the with the bass six I can get down the G without being too funky with annotation. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. Um, so I'll, yeah, I'm I'm looking to try that, but I think that's kind of where my my home yeah. is my home is at is with the the baritones. I think like I think if I knew more when I was younger. I probably would have like like if I knew everything I knew right now, but I was starting guitar, I probably would be way more interested in baritones mm -hmm. because 
as it's very funny that you asked me this because I was just filming an FAQ for my channel, and I think I had like four people ask me like, why do you play extended range and not baritone? <laughs> Because, like, the insinuation is obviously, like, well, you don't use all eight strings, which is true, and I'm very aware of that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think it's just really, like, when I was younger, I didn't know what baritones were. I didn't really know anything. I was just, like, after the burial uses eight string guitars, and that's what I want. And that was really the extent of it. But if I knew everything I knew now and was starting again, I think I also probably would be just comfortable with a baritone. Because, you know, like I just said, I really don't use all seven or eight strings almost ever. So really just having like the low six would be completely fine. But now that I've been playing seven and eight string guitars for most of my life, it's really hard to not use them because I'm so used to them. It's, it's very weird. And also, you know, there's other people in my band and they also play eight strings. So it's not like I can just be like, oh, well, fuck you guys. I'm just going to play a baritone <laughs> and too bad. Now you can't use your two other strings, right? So... It's a little bit of both, but yeah, I don't know. I think I would I would probably be happier with a baritone if I would have started out with it, but it's just like, I, I don't know. It's like an old dog can't learn new tricks or whatever. <laughs> like, I'm just so used to extended range that I just feel weird about trying to switch to baritone. Uh, well, I'm sure it'd it, it feel like a different instrument almost to where like you would write differently on it than you would. Well, it, it doesn't, it doesn't because like, again, I, I really only use the bottom like five strings. So really it would be the same thing anyways. I, I don't know if just, I'm just so used to the feel of the thicker eight string that going to a six feels weird to me. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Which I guess leads to what you were asking me earlier about six strings feeling weird. So maybe I lied and maybe it does feel weird after all. Well, I, I will say this about baritones. Um, the the guys who are into baritones are really into fucking baritones. Oh, yeah. Obsessed. Uh, it's great. It's, well, I, it's awesome. I'm, I'm, I, I think you're familiar with the group Baritone Obsessed. Yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and... Uh, you know, I, you know, I love the bun. I love his, his videos and the, the baritone yeah, stuff. He's, awesome. he's super informative and, and cool. It, but it's just like, yeah, I could say I'm a baritone guy. I don't think I, you know, also I got like sausage fingers. I'm not gonna, you know, <laughs> like playing, like playing like an eight string would be like when you see like Steve Terryberry and Jared Dines doing the 20 string videos. Like that's what right, it feel, right, I right. feel like that's what it would look like. <laughs> I'm trying to do it. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, it, it's, I, I feel like, it's almost too different. Like, even though like, yeah, you get the same tunings, this, you know, using, yeah, I it mean, feels like, it feels you, like a different vibe, I guess. Mm -hmm. And it also looks different. I don't know yeah. if that doesn't matter to some people, but I don't know. I feel like when you see an eight string, it looks crazier than a baritone. Yeah. So there's also maybe a little bit of that in me. That's like, I want people to see what I'm playing or like not what I'm playing because what I'm playing isn't hard necessarily, but like the, the actual instrument that I'm playing and being like, what the fuck is that? Like, <laughs> I really like that. Is, is that what draws you to kind of like the orange, no, not the orange, the, the green, the green, <laughs> um, I'm thinking, yeah, I'm thinking definitely. orange amps, but the, the green, uh, the, the bright green, or is that just like your favorite color? And you're like, fuck it. I want my guitars to be this color. It's a little bit of both. Um, it's definitely like a very flex, like look at me thing. Obviously, I think that's very anyone could tell. Um, the obsession with that actually started again <laughs> going back to after the burial because Justin Lowe, rest in peace, he played a neon green eight string. And I, you know, they were the first band I saw playing eight strings. And I was like, holy shit, that is fucking cool. I want exactly that. 
and you know a few years down the road i basically got someone to like make a tribute guitar for dustin Lowe, which is literally a neon green eight string almost like what he played and i don't know it's just that and then it's a little bit of that and also just kind of like feeding off of my youtube comments as well because when i started playing neon green instruments obviously i didn't always have as much as i have now but i noticed that whenever i would post videos with my like super obnoxious neon green guitars <laughs> i would get more comments either people loving it or hating it one way or the other and i liked that so I, I don't know it's a, it's it's a little bit of like an ego thing as well as i also obviously think it looks really cool so it just kind of serves all the purposes i want <laughs> i don't know like it looks cool and it pisses people off and it also makes people stoked it does literally everything and and i think it looks awesome not, not that I think that's important. I think it's important to enjoy the look of the thing you have that, mm -hmm. that you make your stuff with. I think that's important because it, it's all about creating that headspace for yourself. And if you're like, for sure. this guitar looks fucking sick. It's crazy. Yeah, it's and weird. Like some, some people and, don't care about that or at all. Like, you know, there are some guitars who don't give a shit. They'll just play on anything and it'll always sound amazing. But I definitely care about aesthetics a decent amount <laughs> so i really like having things look the way i want them to look personally I, th I i think there's a lot to be said for caring about aesthetics at, at least somewhat mm -hmm. you know i think you know even because there's the guys who are like oh this is my beat-up ass guitar i don't need a fancy guitar no you like the yeah. fact you have a beat-up ass guitar <laughs> exactly you like you, like you you love there's a reason relicing is, is a an thing. aesthetic in and of itself yeah, right exactly so it, it's that's that's uh uh, a silly argument I, I've I've seen yeah. tossed around. Where it's just, it also like it's an extension of your personality, right? Yeah. Like it helps you stand out in one way or the other. Whether you do have an old beat up guitar or a super bright neon green flashy guitar, like it's it, you you clearly want that because of something in your personality. So yeah, it's just like a outward reflection of that. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, even like <laughs> to get a little bit deeper in it as well, like the way that I think about it too is from like a marketing perspective, like. My hope is because I play so much green stuff and it works is now anytime any company makes a green guitar, I always get tagged on Instagram, <laughs> Facebook, anywhere. Right. Yeah. So I've kind of basically like made myself into like green guitar guy, you know? <laughs> yes. And yes. like as silly as it sounds, like something as simple as just having like a color people associate you with mm -hmm. helps you stand out, right? Yeah. And, you know, I'm I'm a YouTuber, so I've got to stand out. I've got to have something that's recognizable and makes people think of me. And if it, that, if it's as simple as a, a color, then, hey, I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah, marketing and branding is not a bad word. Like it's... Exactly. It's your business. It's your livelihood. You know, it just happens mm -hmm. to be... And that's the same reason Carcosa does all neon yellow. It's mm -hmm. like, that's our color. When you think of deathcore and yellow, we hope you think of us, right? Uh, I, I would be remiss in not bringing up the fact that my buddy, John Lamantia, did some amazing mm -hmm. artwork for you guys, for your yes. merch. You have some killer looking merch. Um, Thank you. You know, and... Yeah, Jonathan did such a good job on that design uh, that we hired him to do. We are definitely hiring him for more because he fucking killed it. I think that's the reason we started talking as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, uh, my buddy Tyrell, you have a, his like Doom print. Oh, in your the Doom poster, that, right? That yeah, sick ass giant, like crazy. Uh, yeah, giant Doom thing he did. Like, mm -hmm. I, I, you know, yeah, I, yeah, I, I had to like, you know, bring that up just because you know those are my guys. Um, right. And actually, you know, I met Jonathan 
doing uh, a tribute to the thing, the movie. Okay. There's a uh, mm-hmm. 35th anniversary art book, and we right. uh, were both participating, and we we're both you know uh, around Chicago, so we like did a signing together and stuff like that. And oh, that's he's, awesome. he's an awesome dude, and I'm glad to see. I I I think it's like you know kind of like. <laughs> I think of that Simpsons where Marge is like, I don't know. I just think it's neat. Like, which just when, when, when I see, you know, you know, I've, I've enjoyed your videos for, for a few years now. And I've, you know, known John for a few years and it's like, Oh, look they're together. And it's yeah, makes perfect it cool. sense. And it's awesome. Well, and, and it's funny too, because the reason that we hired Jonathan was because I went to um, a convention called Emerald city comic con, which mm-hmm. is in Seattle um me and my fiance go there well you know not recently but we used to go there every year and one of the years we went that's where i saw jonathan's artwork and like i didn't end up buying anything or or whatever but i just was like holy shit your artwork is insane and you know he had he was showing off some work that i think he had done for like iron maiden or it was like a huge yeah yeah i was like what the fuck yeah he did some stuff for heavy metal uh it was like i think it's like an iron maiden cover yeah, and I was like, that's super cool. So I was like, I love your artwork and you're clearly into metal. So I think I just took like his his business card or I probably just followed him on Instagram or something. And this was like three, four years ago and nothing happened. Like I was just like, yeah, his artwork's cool. And I just followed him from afar. And then lo and behold, a few years later, you know, my band is like, oh shit, we need, we need like a crazy design. And we were just kind of thinking of who would we want? And I just remembered his artwork from, from years back. And I was like, Oh shit. I remember this guy from Comic-Con, blah, blah, blah. We should check him out. And I sent it to the boys and they were like, Holy fuck, this is crazy. We should definitely hire him. So this is one of those weird things where it was like years after I had initially seen it. Did we finally end up using it? So I don't know. That's cool. That that's, that's like the, the artists, you know, are, are like, that's what kind of keeps us like going when someone's like, Oh, I came across your work however long ago. Doesn't matter mm-hmm. how long ago, last week, and I've five been years. You ever since. <laughs> been following you, and I have I have something I want you to do. Like I had that recently with a a short story someone wanted me to draw. It's like, oh, we met a couple of years ago at at a convention in Chicago, and and I'm like I'm like, oh, I remembered the interaction, but you know, you have all these interactions where someone's like, oh yeah, I'm definitely right, gonna right. contact you about something. Yeah, it's like course, it's fine, like you know, that, that's the way it is. Yeah. Things happen. Mm-hmm. But then when it actually comes through, it's like, oh shit, like, <laughs> yeah, oh, it, it 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 helps out. But yeah, John's John's a, a an amazingly sweet guy, and for the messed up, <laughs> super <laughs> super uh, metal, just weird shit he draws, uh, yeah. it, it's it it's quite the, the 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 dichotomy there. But yeah, he's 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 awesome, and I'm I'm so glad that uh, you know. He's he's paired with you guys. Like I said before, I think it's really cool when that kind of stuff happens. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was it was um, the other guitarist in our band, Cooper. It was also like his idea for the general theme of the artwork. So I basically just got the information from Cooper and sent this to Jonathan and was like, "Hey, this is what we want, and you know, just do whatever you want with this information." And I think he sent us like three drafts and we were like all right well this is fucking sick and how are we going to pick from these three because all three of them are awesome and then same for this new design we're getting him to make which i can't talk about too much but same thing he sent over three drafts and we were all just like fuck like how how the fuck do you do that (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it's crazy it's crazy um but yeah it's 
I look forward to seeing uh, uh, his stuff. I don't ask him to like share things, uh, right? When because uh, you know I like being I like seeing stuff for the first time and and, and being surprised with everybody else whenever my buddies are working on things. Uh, but yeah, it's yeah I I I just like seeing like the the comic and what metal worlds that I know like when I'm familiar with what's going on just this like colliding and happening mm-hmm. like you know I don't, the comic world is chock full of like guitarists and metal people oh yeah that's not surprising <laughs> uh, like i don't know if you're familiar with the name greg capullo uh i feel like i am he, but he drew I, mean, I don't know he drew some x-men stuff in the 90s uh and he drew spawn for right. a while um okay. and he also did like covers for like five finger death punch corn uh, okay. he did the follow okay, the leader okay. cover gotcha. um okay and he's and he just like came off like an epic like 10 year run on batman and he's like one of like the best you know he's like a legend now but he's also like a fucking sick ass guitar player who owns like every single zach wild wild audio guitar (laughs) that's awesome yeah i i I remember seeing a lot of his spawn stuff like i I know i said earlier i wasn't i'm not really super into comics but there was a time when i was younger where i sort of like tried to get into them and i remember liking spawn yeah. even though i couldn't tell you what the fuck it was about now because it was so long ago I mean, but i've definitely seen his artwork from that you're, you're still around the age to where like a lot of that stuff would be kind of more prevalent in like before everything kind of almost died and then like came soaring back with the marvel movies and stuff like that right right um so yeah it, it's yeah there's him there's another guy named daniel warren johnson who's an amazing artist and writer and he's also like a shredder <laughs> it's like nice and it, it, the list goes on and on so it's like uh it, it's just yeah it's just again i I just think it's neat it's just, all these things i love are just interacting and twining <laughs> and it's like this is this is like christmas for me whenever i see stuff like this so that's awesome so yeah uh so yeah i i'm you know congratulate you guys on carcosa's success I wish nothing but like much more stuff. I don't know if you guys like, I know it's probably, you know, still kind of weird to try to like plan shows. I don't know what it's like mm. for you guys for like doing shows yeah. now and stuff like that. Or if that's just something that we're like, we're not even thinking about that right now. Well, we do have like our first show booked in Vancouver in November. Um, we're still like, we obviously really hope it happens, but shit is just so weird here still that we're like, we don't it's almost like shit's been canceled so many times that we're like trying not to get our hopes up because mm-hmm. we're like fuck we, it might get canceled still i don't know um obviously we hope not but that would be cool for a first show and then other than that um we did sign on with a booking agent for touring and festivals nothing has been booked yet but it's looking like you know mm-hmm. in in the future i'm sure something can happen there um so yeah we're we're kind of like it, things are happening just just very in the background for now because of the state of the world and Canada in particular. It's just nothing's fucking happening here still. So I don't know. Yeah, and less said about America, the better. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know how difficult it is for a band, a Canadian band, to come over and tour and do stuff like that. I don't know if it's this- it's harder than you would think, unfortunately. <laughs> Especially because the border is five minutes from my house, but. Uh, yeah, to cross the border is an astronomical amount of money, which obviously for a metal band is hard. <laughs> it's not the smartest business decision, I guess. <laughs> well, it, it would have to be worth it, basically, because yeah. it's basically like an upfront investment of like, I don't know, 
thousands of dollars mm-hmm. just to get across the border. So, you know, if we're going to be doing that, we've got to make sure that we're on a tour that's actually going to pay us out a decent amount so that we're not, you know, going into debt like 10K for basically no reason. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, you got to, you know, you guys strike me as smart businessmen where you're not just going to like dump all your money <laughs> out. You know, you, you have to you have to think about these things because you want to keep doing what you're doing. You want to do it for as long as you possibly can. Um, yeah. And I mean, we've all got our own lives as mm-hmm. well. Like we can't just be like, oh, you know, fuck paying for my house for a month. Yeah. It's fine. Like, you know, I <laughs> exactly. got to make sure we're not throwing our money away and same with the rest of the guys. Yeah. Have you guys like considered doing like a, a live stream thing or is that just like another thing that's probably more expensive than people think it is to kind of like put together? Uh, we actually did one um, in June, I think. Oh, I... It was like right before we started pushing the anthology songs. Well, my apologies. I absolutely um, missed that. Oh, it's all good. It was uh, hosted on a YouTube channel called Modified Ghost, who's a, you know, a local business who usually puts on shows here but since he can't put show, can't put on shows right now he started doing like live stream things mm-hmm. um and yeah the video came out really cool it's still on youtube if if anyone wants to go check it out just search uh carcosa live session and and there you go i'll make sure there's a link in the show notes and i'm gonna make sure that i have that because you know i need to yeah there it is right there um i'm, I'm gonna <laughs> need to, i'm gonna make sure i get that you know cue that up next time i need to listen to something while i'm working because there you go there we go Awesome. Awesome. Andrew, it's been an absolute blast talking to you. Thank you so much again for coming on and taking time. I know you're super yeah, busy. You got videos to make, TikToks to <laughs> TikToks to, to get ready for and pick up lines to scream and all of that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And probably sleep to have. Um, uh, sometimes. Uh, so uh, again, appreciate you coming on. If you can let everybody know now of course. where they can find you on social media and all that. And I'll make sure there's links in the show notes below. For sure. Well, thank you as well for having me. Yeah, this was a blast. I really, really appreciated talking to you and being on your show. So thank you as well. Um, As for where you can find me, uh, my handle is Baina Carcosa pretty much everywhere. So TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. Um, And then my YouTube channel is just my name, Andrew Baina. And that's pretty much it. I'm sure if you just Google me, you can find other stuff if you want to. (laughs) All right. Awesome. Thank you again, sir. No problem. Thank you for listening to the Comics Coffee Metal Podcast. Please be sure to join me next week when I have writer of True Cult, Pennyworth from DC Comics, and a whole bunch more, Scott Brian Wilson. <laughs>